You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast. And on Twitter, Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 460th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Matt, the little guy in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And this is Spencer out in western Massachusetts representing the New England area. And uh, you guys, we we are down a man this evening. Um, Tim is out. He is uh, traveling uh, for work stuff. So unfortunately could not make the scheduled recording time. And as we all know, in the bike racing world, if you can't hang with the belt on, it just keeps moving. Uh, so we got to do the same. We got to, we got to keep banging out the laps here in this road race. We call the slow ride podcast. And, um, little guy, it's the doldrums of the off season. We got a little bit of cycle cross. Yeah. This is going to be a tough one to get through without Tim here uh, saying something completely bananas for us to make fun of. Uh, yeah, that's true. I, I I got a little, uh, I mean, it's the doldrums, it's just the middle, but I, at least I can uh, regale you with stories of, of my racing once a year. Uh, super exciting. Oh. Uh, give you the local cross report here in Minnesota to make you feel right at home. Yeah, that uh sure yeah that definitely will get us out of the doldrums like not talking about the world cup or anything else first so let's lead with the minnesota state championship cyclocross race little guy yeah was it snowing it did not snow uh i think a few years ago i did i did lay down the rule of you know the rules all rules which was that it always snows the night before Minnesota Cycle Cross Championships. It did not. It was uh, two days of racing. It was in the 40s, and then it was in like almost the 60s today, and I did not go for the second day. So it uh, did the opposite of what it used to do, which was it for many years it snowed the night before. You had a whole uh-huh. season of understanding how your equipment handled, what the courses were like, and then without fail, Mother Nature would so, open the floodgates. But nope, opposite. Little guy. Just for our burgeoning Kiwi corner, yeah. and of course our Australian corner and uh, the steadfast UK corner, you're talking about temperature swing from about four and a half Celsius to about 15 and a half Celsius, just so they understand. And you went for the four and a half and skipped and out half. on no. the 15. I wanted to go, so two, two days of racing, one day's categories, that's Sunday, and Saturday is the age group racing, and that's the only... I see, I see. Well, I don't have <laughs> you a had license. A hope. <laughs> I, I'm a, well, two things. One, okay. the only race I did all year, more than two things, the only race I did all year, I do okay. not have a license, so the yeah. only race I can do where I can race a full 60, and... Uh, okay, yeah. And, and and have a chance of being a, a real champion is the age one. Otherwise, I think I might... I've been a license for a couple of years. I don't know if I'd have to jump in the four or five. And I'm not good, 
but I'd like to think at least on handling alone, I would finish decently in the four fives just on having a little experience. Um, yeah, it just feels wrong. I don't have a stellar race career. Like in the green room, you and me were both. We went down a little memory lane. We pulled up cross results. We were like, hey, "Yeah, we did." Look what we I did. got. Look what you got. Look where we were. Like remembering some jingle crosses of old, things like that. But um, <laughs> neither of us was never ever near the pointy end of a UCI race. But we did we did dabble in being okay enough to mm-hmm. to get our butts mm-hmm. kicked by the pros. So I feel weird jumping in with a four five. Not that I'm. I don't know. It just feels weird. So anyway, did they? It was, it was, I mean, to be fair, it was a decade ago, it little was guy. A we decade ago. Maybe you can maybe think about it anyway. Yeah. So no, it's true. Age group race, full 60, only opportunity. Little guy, do you regret that decision? Because 60 seems like an awful lot of minutes for cyclocross to me uh, from where I'm sitting. Yeah. I will say the last. Uh, two, maybe three times I've done state championships. Have, it's either been my only race or one of two races on the year. And uh-huh. yes, the last 15 minutes is very painful. I definitely have um, no high-end, like high-fast fitness anymore at all. So I can sort of fake it for a little bit, and then and then it, it comes. I come undone. Pretty bad. Reality bad. comes crashing through the door like the Kool-Aid man, yeah. Uh, just like old times, though. Just like old cat... F- Maybe this is why I should do it. Like old cat four times. Uh, cat four or five times. Uh, leg cramps. Uh, yeah. Palpitations. yeah. It's yeah. all there. I'm, I'm definitely... <laughs> I'm definitely... Cross cough, it. yeah. Okay. Um, this year I had a couple special problems, and you'll appreciate this. Uh, listener. Really? This. Well, now hang on. Let's... Take a step back because it sounds like you did race, which I'm going to guess means you did find your shoes. I did find my shoes. I found my shoes. This on you left us on a pretty big cliffhanger last episode. Well, yeah, my, I left myself because I really didn't know. But I dug. <laughs> you'll really appreciate this. I dug deep into my my spandex closet. Um, uh-huh. but like any old bike racer who's who's been racing for more than a decade. I have quite the collection of old spandex that I don't know yeah. why I keep it, but I do. Many old team kits, many, mm-hmm. many, mm-hmm. many old team kits, and uh, so I have a closet. And like uh, I guess also like any uh, retired bike messenger, I have many old bike messenger bags. Okay, so yeah. These bags all house piles and piles of kit and i finally went into the closet filled with the kit and i i dug took all the camping equipment that now actually gets used that just goes on top of that stuff out really dug in there i found a bag at the very very bottom what's in Uh this bag it's a little smaller than the other ones because it wasn't full because it had everything i brought to states last year in it it had my shoes in a shoe bag it had Oh. Jersey still with the number pinned on. Yeah. Last year. Uh, the full, everything, full dirty, uh, full dirty kit, everything, uh, a la your trunk a decade ago. Uh, but this was just like a week to two week basis of like. A little, little bit of a locker room. Yeah. Yeah, a little yeah. bit of a locker room there. So yeah, I found them. Um, it didn't smell quite as bad as I thought, but it was good. 
I'll admit it wasn't good. But um, <laughs> I can't imagine it was good. <laughs> but it wasn't that bad either. I gotta say, it was. Uh, I would have expected worse. Uh, okay. <laughs> On the plus side, okay. The shoes came out. Uh, no mold or mildew that I could see or tell on them. Uh, they yeah. still fit my feet, and the cleats do feel like they're in a strange position because I haven't ridden them in a year. And even if you set up the cleats, if you don't ride shoes for an entire full calendar year, they feel a little foreign when you wear them. Oh, yeah, especially when you got bones as old as yours, little guy. They're yeah. probably shifting around, and probably. you're losing cartilage everywhere. Um you know, daily. Yeah. But the good thing was I found my cross shoes. Uh, mm-hmm. I wore some different clean kit. I showed up at the race on Saturday. Great idea. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I pre-ridden the bike a few times before the race, being as okay. I hadn't yeah. obviously ridden the bike either since last year, uh, up until the week before. And I did notice the night before the race, the front tire seemed to have gotten a little lower than the rear tire while just sitting in the basement. Made me a little nervous. So I took the precaution of adding a little stands to that front uh-huh. tubular and uh-huh. to my backup tubular. Now, now I two back, I have two I, tires and two wheels now. They both have stands okay. in them. It's impressive. Yeah. I got a question. Yeah. Did you include any glitter in that stands? Did you mix up a special concoction? I didn't. Okay, that's a good question. That's a good question. I used to, on the workbench, always have the glitter to go in with the sealant. You're right. That's, yeah. That's the pro way to do it. Now, Super secret. I am primarily a father now and not yeah. a bike racer. The glitter, the same glitter jar that I bought over a decade ago for Uh-oh. going out, has <laughs> it's migrated. It's been used for macaroni art? <laughs> yeah, it's, been, it's migrated out of the bicycle workshop. Oh, no. The art supply section of the house. So... You're right. I didn't even think of going and finding the glitter. I just went with the stands, but you're right. I should have gone with the glitter. And uh, here's why. I, I rode so to the race. foreshadowing. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I rode to the race. It was all good. I yeah. pre-rode the race. It was all good. I started the race. It was all good for a lap and a half. And then I noticed uh, the second time through, uh, it felt a little too grippy on a lot of corners, you know? Uh-huh. And then I noticed... I was hit one little pavement section. I was like, yeah, I'm totally going flat in the front. It's really low. I probably started around 20. At this point, it's like in the single digits. It's really low. <laughs> okay. So yeah, yeah. I pit. I think, hey, I got a wheel. You know what? This is why I brought that other wheel. I get on the second wheel. That wheel goes flat within a half, half, <laughs> half, half. Like, and not just like, not like the first wheel. Oh, no. The first wheel was wasn't fully rideable. flat when I it was still rideable. This wheel is a hundred percent flat. So I pitted. Oh god! I got the wheel. I think I was like midish pack of of like twenty some people at this point. Uh-huh. I I I, lo- I lose all the places I I pulled on the first couple of laps. Yeah. Second wheel, go out, uh, pick off like two or three guys, totally flat. So then I got to go in the pit again, half lap later. Yeah. Yeah. I, I go in the pit. I gotta find where my wheel is, and I and I'm like, oh, Mario, Mario, I gotta get some air. So I'm getting air. Just just pump up this sort of flat one, right? Yeah. Yeah, because it lasted longer. Pump it up uh, in the 40s, right? Trying to pump it quick and get back on course. Pump it up. It goes flat very quickly. <laughs> like uh-huh. Within uh, probably, an, it, I, it, I don't know if I win a whole lap or I win another half lap, but I had to come back in the pits because it was again almost totally so. Flat. It held on 
valiantly as long as it could to get you to the race and do some of the race. And when it finally gave up, it gave up. It, it was done. Up. It like, like a good domestic, it had given everything. It was just drifting down the mountain at this point. But it had a second win, Spencer, because then really? I went into the pit for the fourth time. <laughs> and fourth time. I went into the fourth time. And I said, okay. hey, I need some air again. So I get the pump. And we pump that, uh-huh. we pump that baby up to like 60 PSI. Okay. Like good. I was like, good gonna, cycle cross. I'm a yeah. single, right? Totally good. So I'm like, I'm gonna ride this you know, as it goes down, and 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 they'll have like, I'll have like a quarter of a lap where it's perfect, just in the sweet spot. Yeah. But then it held. It didn't lose any air. I think the sealant that was enough pressure to actually get this get the stands to where it needed to be, which was both good because I had air in my tire for the rest of the race, and also bad because I had this like rock hard front tire. So all the corners that Early in the race had been super fast because the, yeah. the pressure, right? I was sliding out on those. Like, so throughout the race, I had like perfect pressure, what I felt perfect. Then I had way too much grip, uh-huh. like where my front tire was so low, I had too much grip. Then I had flat where it rolls off, it like tries to roll itself. And then I had uh-huh. too much pressure where I couldn't put any weight on the front tire, or I'd lose it. Um, it was interesting. I don't think I'd ever had a race with so many pressures of changing conditions without any conditions changing no conditions change but i did finish uh (laughs) the last like three laps or something i don't know with um the 60 pounds of pressure which um is is its own funny thing and then uh, yes i got lapped and i don't know what place i got because it's 2023 and they haven't invented uh chip timing yet or any sort of online way to tell you what place you got so i don't yeah no Yeah, so that's my bike race. It was a really fun course, I will say. They are doing awesome things with with the with the ground out there, even though they've like uh, there's dog parks there now, which there wasn't a long time ago, and all these things. So the course has to keep changing, which is actually kind of nice because since they keep the city keeps changing the park because it's been in the same place for like 20 years, but the city keeps changing the park and it actually forces. It means there's like consistent features and things that make it states, you know, but there's also mm-hmm. things have to change a little bit because of that and uh, because of the park changes. And it was a really fun course. It was fun. I think every time I do a cross race now, I'm like, oh, yeah, this can be fun. Um, it's it possible. It be really hard and hurt and cost a lot of money and uh, <laughs> require breaking a lot of your stuff. So good and bad out there yeah I, I, I weirdly i haven't broken any cyclocross stuff in quite some time yeah um the real unfortunate thing is i think i think all my tubular tires i think they've really come to the end of their road um, finally dead i had you know i've had a good run here since uh probably 2016 i think was was my last pre-child having a child uh, season, and I think that was mm-hmm. the last time I, like, got a fresh tubular. Uh, <laughs> and so I've just been, you know, pull them off once a year. If they hold air, they're the lightest wheels I got. They're the best I got, and I can go for it. But I think I've hit the point where if I do want to race any more cross in coming years on my stash of race wheels that I will never upgrade. I do actually have to upgrade the tires, though, to tires that hold air. It's a real bummer. Good luck finding some tubulars in 2024, little guy. 
that was a guy on Craigslist the other day that was selling stuff. <laughs> a couple of days right before states, and I gotta say, I thought that was pretty ambitious of him. One race yeah. left on the calendar. He had a pair of uh, challenge tubulars up on the local Craigslist. Yeah, all right, all right. This guy better lower his prices in a week. We'll see. Yeah, certainly. Well, little guy, uh, glad to hear you uh, made it out uh, to toe the line uh, more than I can do, uh, certainly, uh, this day and age. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate your tires let you down, but, uh, you know, something was going to let you down uh, during this race. So yeah. I guess uh, it was the tire's turn to come up. The tire just came first. I mean, tire tire problem or no tire problem, I still got cramps in the last lap. So. <laughs> uh, going up the thing. Certainly, though, that was from the the extra jarring from that hard front wheel. I think that's probably what it was. Otherwise, you'd have had that guy in front of you. No, that's true. I almost caught one guy, but I couldn't because of that tire. <laughs> the thing about the tire that really brought me back was the only, other than like when we were Cat 4s and we were probably pumping up our tires to 50 PSI. Um, yeah. The only other time I'd done a cross race with a tire so uh, improperly inflated was... 20 i think it's 2015 trek cup and okay in the start of the race it kind of bunched up one of the first corners and a guy pedaled into my front wheel like stuck his uh, front wheel and just yeah. whacked it all out of craziness right so i rode to the pits and they had the sram neutral support back then and i yep. knew they had neutral wheels so i went to get a wheel and guy gives me this wheel and I'm kind of thinking part of my mind, like, eh, this is probably nicer than the wheel I rode in on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they had that sucker pumped up so like rock hard. And I couldn't believe, like, I know, uh, it's subjective what people want to ride at, you know, give or sure. Huh? But like put it at 25, you know, like, you know, within the range of like a heavier rider, a lighter rider, it'll be fine. This sucker was like, you couldn't depress it with your finger. It's, this was like, this was manufactured minimum spec, you know? You know, like yes. you get a cross tire and it says minimum inflation is 55 PSI or something. And you're like, yeah, that is. That's insanity. That's insanity. Yes. Like, I'm going to pump this thing up to 12 PSI and race it. <laughs> and they know that. And, but this, but like getting the neutral from the I couldn't believe that it was like that. And it was great that i got a wheel and i got to finish the race that i like spent all this money mm-hmm. and traveled to but also uh in no way did that wheel help it is both incredible and ridiculous how much a couple of psi matters in cyclocross with a with a tubular tire um because yeah i know what you're what the sensations were without having ridden your bike or or been there this weekend um I know what it's like to 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 ride on a a, a a cyclocross tire that's just way too hard, and it's and it's a beautiful thing when you find that sweet spot that works for you. You know, for me, it was like twenty three psi, twenty two, twenty three, kind of depending on the day or the course. Um, sometimes a little lower than that. Um, and people get all uppity about it and you got to pre-ride, you got to do three, four pre-ride laps and figure out what your PSI needs to be. And then there's like top level pros from a few years ago, like, uh, Dan Chabanoff, a friend of mine who was just, just like, I just set mine to 25 every single race. I don't care. <laughs> like 25 is pretty good. 
I feel like, you know, I'll just change instead of changing my tire with the yeah. course. I'll just change my riding style slightly and adapt to the tire and the course. Because <laughs> then he has a constant, which is kind of smart, too. It is kind of smart. Um, and it's one thing to not... Because you can get... people. Some people, yeah, get so worried about it and, like, spend so much time thinking yeah. about it. Like, you could almost Just cut that stress time, out of your life. <laughs> yeah, that you would use to just get a proper warm-up, like riding around yep. the corner at 20 and then putting it down to 18 and everyone had the little digital gauges. I'm sure people can yeah. still do this. No, I mean, I just sort of like randomly and depress my finger and ride. And if it feels too low, I add a little bit, no science there. Um, yeah, yeah. Your, your thumb is a big root. And if you can push all the way to your rim, the root will too. And that's a little, that's a little too low. So there, pump it up a tiny bit. There were definitely some big bumps on the backside of the course that I think are what what did me in the first time. I think uh, unseated uh-huh. that sealant, I guess. The uh-huh. But well, little guy, maybe in twenty twenty four we'll get you on some tubeless tires and uh, you can embrace the future and uh, you know have a good time for once. Uh, unlikely, you know. Uh, as, as much as I was hoping, I would have the outstanding result of the weekend uh, mm-hmm. i don't i know a little bit of what happened on the pro side which and the world cup on the men's side was won yeah by pim uh which is i would have to say the result nobody really expected this weekend a good racer but pim ronhart winning the world cup on the men's side which is a pretty big outstanding one which i didn't even realize that coming in pre-podcast you uh, updated me to the World Cup because I only knew that in the Super Prestige, Nubenhaus got second to Izzy and Orts fan favorite Felipe Orts got yeah. the podium, which is also I don't think so. Like a bunch of uh, I don't know subtoppers, I guess is what people would call them. Uh, subtoppers coming, coming, stepping up to the big time this weekend, uh, giving hope for the also rans, I guess. It, it was. It was a. It was a weekend for the uh, for the little guys uh, out there. Um, yeah, kind of surprising. Kind of saw a few people uh, not show up, whether physically or just uh, the legs didn't show up or they made some errors. Um, T Bonice uh, sounds like he's fatigued or burnt out or maybe ill. I'm not really sure, um, but uh, not on his game. Um, but yeah, a lot of lot of interesting cyclocross going on in the international stage anyway. So yeah, some, some fun to see different names. I do like that. Well, I do too. Cause I, I mean, obviously in, in like a month, it'll be the Wout and, and Vanderpool show. And I'm sure Pitcock would, die back in at some point i've seen yeah. vanderpool's schedule like him coming back in december riding through worlds but like it's been a easer beat show the last few years until those guys show up and then he gets relegated to third or fourth so i i've been enjoying that we've actually got some you know some new faces and there's actually like different right Lars has won a world cup this year yeah, uh, Ventorno, which is winning the you know the the Euros, like all those guys are good right now. So it's been good, it's been good racing without even the big guys. Not that yeah. any of them will beat Wout or Vanderpool or Pidcock. I don't think that will really happen. But uh, no, it's unlikely. It's been good nonetheless. I will say, did you also see uh, the the weekend sweep on the women's elite side by um, 
Celine Del Carmen Alvarado yeah. winning in the Super Prestige and following it up at the World Cup. Uh, pretty impressive to see her back on the top. Obviously, she has the the pedigree for it, um, former world champion. Um, you love to see that. 55 minutes uh, in, the, uh, in the World Cup there. Only 42 in the Super Prestige, but almost to 45, so good job. That's a pretty huge difference. That's a pretty wild difference. <laughs> that is wild. Yeah, it's really good to see Alvarado back after yeah, a couple of years where she's been a little... I mean, she's been good, but she hasn't been quite at the top. So, again. Yeah. Yeah. And Brand is back, too. So Brand was up there, too. Yeah. Brand was up there, too. So. It's, uh, we're still, I mean, we're deep into cyclocross season, but we're also kind of just getting started. Like, things are just starting to heat up a little bit because Worlds is a ways out in February. So, uh, I think uh, the cream is starting to rise to the top a little bit here and uh it could be uh Alvarado's year. Could we see her repeat? Uh, I have no idea. I will not I won't no make idea. Any claims right now. <laughs> it feels too uh, I think it's possible. I mean the Dutch women's team is ridiculous, but I'm thinking she's uh she's like, "Okay, you guys had your fun. It's time for the champ to be back." I don't yeah. know. With that women's Dutch team, it's almost almost whoever just attacks first at Worlds from the team. Like wins, wins <laughs> yeah. Worlds. Like whoever Pretty can much. get the gap the quickest because then all the, if all the rest of them have to even remotely do. They have to block, yeah. Riding, like it's, I guess they're only blocking each other, so what do they do? Unless Zoe Backstep gets in the way. But I think that's all I know about Eurocycling. I really have no idea what else is happening. I'm assuming on the on the roadside, everyone's drunk. Everyone's chilling in Monaco. I'm assuming mm-hmm. our boy Michael Matthews is doing that. I think we should probably give him a call and uh, see what kind of Subaru he's looking at. Yeah, let's, uh, let's check in. We haven't talked to him for a little while. I'm champion and master Meisen and I don't listen to your podcast. Thank you. All right, Spencer, we are in the pre-lap, and we're doing we're right we're riding extra in the pre-lap this week. Oh, double, that's double, exciting! Double the double the pre this lap this week. Uh, first, of course, we're still riding for Chapman MFG and their sweet tool roll. Head over to chapmanmfg.com and go check out the tool roll part number 319 and use that code SLOWRIDE at checkout. Save yourself 20%. It's an amazing little tool roll. I used it this weekend on the way to States to move my saddle forward because, like I said, Ugh. I had not ridden my bike for a while. And it did feel <laughs> a little weird and I felt a little tippy toe. And uh, uh-huh. the safer thing was to move my saddle forward, pulled out that tool, uh, enjoyed myself. It's great. Yeah. To do you, th- great do you think it was so much fun? You think it was the cleats on the shoes, little guy, or was it the uh, just not not didn't have the flexibility you once had? I definitely do not have the flexibility <laughs> I once had. But you know, it does have flexibility. It's 
the Chapman oh. tool roll. Look at that segue right there. You got yourself two Phillips. You got yourself a T25 Torx for working on those disc brake rotors if you like to play that way. And mm-hmm. you got Allen keys two through eight. Everything you need to make some adjustments on your bike. Uh, it comes with a little mini ratchet and a little two-inch extender so you can, like I did, have to get up there on that seat uh, post and you need a little extension. Mm-hmm. I do love this tool. I love using it. The tool roll looks awesome. It's all made in the USA, made in Connecticut, just south of Spencer. You can't go wrong. Yeah, I love Connecticut. This podcast has always loved Connecticut, which is another thing we don't talk about a lot, is how much Especially we love we Connecticut and um, and all the things that come from Connecticut, including this tool roll. Uh, little guy, you mentioned that the roll, the actual roll itself, that it comes in little pockets for all the tools, little Velcro thing, um, little weatherproof kind of canvas steel. It looks good. It rolls up nice and small. Doesn't take up any room. Like you could put it in, like it'll fit in your saddlebag. No problem. But you could put it in a Jersey pocket. I don't think you'd notice. Um, this thing is super cool. I really appreciate, uh, Chapman, um, coming on board and trying us out for a couple of, of ads. This is, uh, this is the last one we've got scheduled. So I really want, um, our listeners to show them some love for, yeah. for them taking a chance on, on the slow ride podcast. And, uh, so if you could head on over to Chapman MFG, uh, use that code slow ride at checkout when you're getting that bike tool roll part number three nineteen, and, uh, let them know that we sent you. And uh, you should be able to get those uh, in the mail, get them received in time for holidays or anything else. Maybe your state championship is still coming up and uh, you still got to dig your shoes out of the back of the closet. Yeah, you don't want to be out there with weird mystery shoes and not have a nice tool like this where you can make some adjustments on the fly. Because trust (laughs) me, you're going to need to make some adjustments on the fly. Yeah. Another tool that you can use for making adjustments on the fly, little guy, and this time I'm talking about your training regimen. If you're out there trying to train for states, you're banging out the miles, putting the watts down, um, and you get offline, you get you get off your route, and you don't know where you are, you're going to need a good GPS computer to help keep you situated and sorted, keep those numbers dialed, keep you in the zones you're supposed to be in um, with excellent mapping, uh, to help you get to and from the state championship course, uh, because yeah, maybe they moved it. Maybe it's a little different. I don't know. Um, and of course you can do this with hammerhead. Uh, if you head over to hammerhead, um, dot IO, you can learn more about the Karoo two computer. It's, uh, one of, uh, well, it's my favorite computer. It's the only one I've been using for the past couple of years. Uh, but it's a, it's a favorite amongst everyone here at the pod. And I think it's one of the best computers on the market for cycling. Um, I think it blows everything out of the water as far as graphical interface and usability. I think it's just works really well. It's hard to describe, but you know, when you get something that just clicks with you and you're like, Oh, this is intuitive. I understand how to use it. It works well. Um, that's that's the impression I get from using the Karoo too. Like the first time I, I fired it up on the on the bike, um, and it continues to give me that feeling every time I do use it. Um, it connects really easily with your with your Zwift, with all your 
power meters and your doodads and uh, heart rates and all those things. Um, and speaking of heart rates, if you use the code SLOWRIDE when you check out um, getting a Karoo 2 over at hammerhead.io, you can get yourself a free heart rate monitor strap included for free um, by using that code SLOWRIDE. So do yourself a favor, hammerhead.io, check out the Karoo 2 Watch the little videos they've got on there. Read all about it. Do your comparisons. You're going to see pretty quickly that it uh, pretty much destroys the competition. Uh, And you can experience your rides the same way I do, which is in in pure bliss uh, with the Karoo 2 from Hammerhead. Hammerhead Hammerhead.io. Use the code SLOWRIDE. Get yourself a free heart rate monitor strap. Good. Get back to the show. Hi, I'm Zoe Baxter, and you're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. All right, Spencer, we're back. And as always lately, especially, we have an overflowing email news bag, Uh. bag, mailbag, whatever it is. I can't talk. You know what I mean. Email. It's the mailbag. We have emails. We we got a bunch here. I will try to butcher the names uh, so you guys feel like Tim is here. I know uh, some of you, if you wrote in and you expected your name to be written. uh, I mean, you're doing a good job. Read by Tim in that uh, signature slow ride style. I will do my best. Now, usually I'm uh, really good at reading. I can read. Uh-huh. pronounce pronounce words uh-huh but i'm gonna do i'm not gonna do that tonight it seems like maybe you got a cyclocross race under your belt and you're feeling a little lightheaded little guy yeah sure that's the excuse <laughs> i'll use uh the first email is pain cave comment uh this is from andrew hansen pierre dear slow ride podcast i've seen some of the submissions and i appreciate the resourcefulness of the spaces and the unique decor of each submission offers one element to the pain cave that i have not seen or heard mention of is the possibility of a nearby cat litter box Mm, my pain cave mm -hmm. is plush by other standards but with the plushness comes the price of a nearby litter box my orange cat milton drops some seriously stinky poos and he usually does so 10-ish minutes into my trainer ride yeah this this is all the more reason to layer up and ride outside whenever possible uh, attached is a photo of uh, my pit cats. Uh, Milton is our immune-compromised cat. It was great 80% of the time. I understand uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. And, and the black cat's name is, uh, I think it says Ellie. Uh, Ellie, yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll be sure to get that on the gram because they, the cats always do well on social media. So this will definitely go on there. Um, little guy, I'm pretty sure your pain cave is pretty chock full of litter boxes uh if i remember correctly they're yeah they're kind of on the other side of the pain cave it's true we've we've the three of us have been very coy about our pain cave so far it's very i mean we have uh, very coy yeah well yeah sir um, we maybe we'll get maybe more into that later um, I, I will say i very rarely ride the trainer and so when i do set it up is on the opposite side of the basement from the little okay. boxes, All right. but not so far that I wouldn't uh, be able to smell the litter boxes. 
you know, it's not that big a basement. We have since moved, but my previous apartment in the Boston area, um, we had a pretty small basement and uh, kind of had to cram the the trainer and the setup in where I could. And it was not next to the litter box, but pretty close. And our um, our big boy Morris, uh, rest in peace, big big man. Um, he. His whole life had a lot of, let's call it tummy trouble. And he would absolutely clear a room. Like he would annihilate that litter box. And just like Andrew's cat here, seemed to come in. He like, he seemed to wait. He'd like be two floors away and he would be like, oh, someone in the trainer? Let me just head down there. You look like you're about 10 minutes in, just about the point where you don't want to get off and deal with anything. Um, and he would just nuke the place. Like, just, yep. oh, my goodness. It was a new, it, and, you know, I I turned a, po- a negative into a positive, little guy. You'll be proud of me. I, I used that to strengthen my mental fortitude to power through, you know, the wall that you hit in cycling when you're like, I can't. I can't survive anymore. And you're like, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. And you know what? If it does kill you, you won't even know afterwards. It's fine. You'll be dead. It's good training for the early, at least in the Midwest, it's early season road races. I mean, the the ground is just thawing out and you're you're racing (laughs) on a lot of cows. And yeah, cornfields and Uh, cow fields. Yeah. And yeah, it could be really bad at some of those early season races. Uh, so you you need to know how to be able to be in that uh, hurt box and also mm-hmm. smell that litter box. That's important. I think Graham we... Obrey always had a litter box in the room with him when he was training. I'm, I'm uh-huh. pretty sure I haven't watched that any of those docs for a while about him training, but I'm pretty sure he had a litter box in that little shed. <laughs> Quite possibly, yeah. yeah. Bike racers have to have a very particular set of skills, little guy, and that uh, yeah, that yeah. is one of them. Yeah. A lot of different adaptions. Uh, this one's kind of on the same topic of uh, well, not not in the pain caves in, in our secret pain caves, but uh, uh-huh. this one's from Doug Ross. So, what do you ride, dear Matt, Spencer, and Tim? I'd be curious to know what brand of bikes you ride when you're out for a cycle. You often wax poetic about the bike or frame, but I do not remember any discussion of current rides. Uh, <laughs> or he says, "Oh, would you rather not take sides, letting your listeners know what's parked in your garage?" Oh no, uh, we'll take sides. I, I think we're fine taking sides. Yeah, no, I uh, I very much enjoy uh, getting everyone's submissions and seeing what everyone's writing. I feel like we talk. I mean, let's be honest. We have a podcast. We talk about ourselves way too much. So being able to talk about anything else is a blessing. So I think every single person that emails in uh, with anything. Including Doug with this one. I'm happy to talk about my bikes again if you guys want to hear about it. Um, right now, on the trainer in my basement with the Karoo Two on on the uh, on the on the stem, uh, I have a Cervelo um, R3. Uh, it's orange uh, with black logos, and it's a 2019. It's got disc brakes and DI2. It's pretty fancy, way too fancy for me to still own, probably. I should probably downgrade at this point to a less fancy bike, but 
it is a really nice bike and I really like riding it. Um, but that's, uh, that's what I got on the road side of things. Little guy. What do you get? What do you get in the mountain bike right now? Do you, you don't have the if anymore. No, the if unfortunately finally cracked and I have, um, a couple, I have a Richie, uh, P 29 er, um, for a steel, uh, rigid mountain bike. And then I have a pivot, uh, four, two, nine trail, uh, for full squish, which is necessary out here in new England. Uh, we can skip Tim pretty quickly cause we all know he's got a moots and he loves it and it's great. It's the best bike ever built, blah, 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 blah. Um, which sounds, uh, it's untrue bike. every time he says it, but, uh, we'll put it in here for posterity. Yeah. And I don't remember what his other bikes are anymore. I don't it's all, all I, I hear that. about is moots, 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 yeah, moots, 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 moots. Uh, I've been trying to do the list here. And maybe we haven't okay. heard about this because it's maybe, I feel like a order. Yeah. But, so the main bikes I ride. I mean, well, to be fair, well, I didn't list all my bikes. I well, just listed a few. I was just trying to come up with this because I was kind of wondering, but some of this what's, is what's, funny. What? Let's start with what you would throw on the trainer, though, and then oh, then go through the, the list. Yeah. Um, I guess what I would actually throw on the trainer would be the javelin, whatever cross bike that I rode this weekend. My okay. uh, once a year right. race bike is the javelin. It's more toe overlap than any bike <laughs> should ever have. Okay. Uh, very light. I I like it in a lot of ways, but my god, and ev- and the best thing about the javelin is. I got this bike a few years ago. I used to have a red line and had a gunner, and I liked the gunner the most, and the red line was all right. But uh, there, was, there was a lot of people that had javelins around town for a while. And every mm-hmm. time I show up at States now, uh, old Hollywood cycles racers uh, that see me are like, how's the toe overlap? Everyone's like remembering yeah. uh, the joys of the toe overlap on this. It's insane. Uh, slow corners are my downfall. Now. So I guess that's all what right. I throw in the trainer. Going in just a quick order of what I ride, probably most the cargo bike. You've seen uh-huh. that. It's currently out of commission. We all know why. I got the Burley Tandem. Uh, okay, yep. Kid. Then when I'm commuting to work, I got the Centurion Track bike with the basket and the laid-back bars. That's the most ridden. Okay, yeah. I got a Fuji 4 touring bike from the mid-'80s. That's probably most. I got the 2018 race-winning Schwamigan bike, which I – think was a khs i don't actually remember what the frame is i bought it unbranded for 40 dollars uh-huh. i got the klein pulse comp 2 uh you know the namesake of the klein corner i got the medici that i did not steal that's <laughs> uh, the tour the touring one i don't remember what it's called so yeah. now, now okay so now currently we're into the we're into the bikes this is where it gets hoardy or hoarder uh, bikes, bikes that aren't complete yeah. No. Well, oh. not complete, and that I didn't ride this entire summer. The Medici okay. I rode one time. Okay. I uh, so that's embarrassing because that's I should ride that more. Then I have my match road bike that I had for mm-hmm. years. Yeah. I went on many rides with you in this, but I have not ridden it in two years. Ma'am. Has no crank. I have the Orbea that I got from Big Matt. Uh, that's a mountain bike. What it is? It's a mountain bike. It's full squish, but it's okay. mostly broken. Okay. And okay. Then fair. I have I have my uh, old track bike, my old Hans Schneider track bike, also missing parts 
and hanging there. And then I have a rail bike. We've all heard about that, and that doesn't work. And I have uh, the Dahan folding bike, which is also broken. Okay. Oh, and I have – oops, sorry. I have a Haro Shredder. I have a 1990 Haro Shredder that is also okay. in pieces. Okay. I have the uh, – I don't think these mis- count. Mystery BMX bike I found last week that I mentioned on the pod. It's ninety. It's seventy-five percent of a bike. I think it counts. I feel. I feel like I have to count. Seventy-five percent of a bike. Okay. Well, if we're going that route, then I have a Zeus road bike from the seventies that is incredible. Uh, I have my pink Bianchi single-speed mountain bike uh, that is incredible as well. Uh, I have a custom Circle A track frame that is not ever been built up by me into a bike You're not <laughs> um, a no not a hoarder at all i still have speaking of the independent fabrications mountain bike frame i still have it it's cracked it's broken i can't be fixed um i still have it why would i throw that away it's, it's oh, a nice cool. bike <laughs> Hang it on the wall. uh and then i also have the squid uh squid cross uh cycle cross bike which is one of my more daily kind of drivers that and the Richie are the one uh, uh, the ones I probably ride around town the most but the uh the Cervelo stays on the on the trainer oh and I've got the time I've got the time road bike still uh that was the it was the 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 main road bike until I got the Cervelo and now it's the backup road bike but still not on the trainer because it's too nice to put on the trainer <laughs> so maybe nice too fragile <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. Too fragile. I'm always a little afraid I'll like break a bike on the trainer, and that just feels silly. Yeah, those are uh, bonded uh, carbon time frames with the carbon lugs. Ooh, I don't want to stress those any more than they need to be stressed. Pretty though. Um, I don't think Tim's hoarding as much as we are. No, I think I've got a, a few more as well, but I can't yeah. think of them offhand. I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Yeah. I only yeah. remembered the Haro because um, I, I like, tripped on it this weekend. I was trying <laughs> to get to those two wheelers. Fair. Fair. All right. Well, I, think we, uh, I, think we've, uh, I think we've covered Doug's question pretty thoroughly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a problem, Doug. You have a problem. Um, uh, here, we got an Doug's, update. Doug's an enabler. This is... <laughs> Maybe Doug, maybe Doug has a hundred bikes. Who knows? Doug, what do you got? Um, Scott, so. uh, Scott Booth uh, sent us an update from last week. We talked about his uh, setup a little bit last week. He attached some more photos here. He says, gentlemen, I've attached a few additional photos as requested. My 81 Gios. I never know how to pronounce that. Gios. 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 Uh, that shared my previous trainer space and two mm-hmm. pictures of my bike in that repurposed bedroom. Like all good empty nesters should, my wife and I took our kids' bedrooms when they finally moved out. Yes. Turned them into a mini gym uh, that my wife mostly uses and a bike drum room for me. As Perfect. is equally often the case, a kid moved back in, which sent me oh. to the garage. It actually oh, is no. better because I don't have AC in that bedroom, so it would have been quite hot. Oh. Uh, it says, one interesting story about the Gios is I pur- purchased it when I was 16. I'm a 52 now. I'm 52 now, and I had it restored a few years ago as I didn't treat it very well when I was young and stupid. But it's sure my forever bike. Um, for not treating it well when you were younger, uh, whoever restored it did a great job. It looks amazing. Yeah, we'll we'll throw this up. It's hanging on the wall. 
Uh, it's all super record. It's got the matching frame pump, the matching water bottle, and the hat to go with it. Um, it's a picture of a picture of an awesome uh, old bike. Like it's exactly what you'd imagine of like a sweet Italian road bike. All yep, yep. Italian out. Uh, uh. Scott, I noticed the drum kit looks super nice. I noticed you've got the uh, the I forget what they're called the like cymbals and drum heads that are a little quieter for practicing. Good job. Take care of the ears uh, <laughs> here at home too. And it also has that setup going and uh, I'm sure both your ears appreciate it and your wife appreciates it. <laughs> uh, Cause drums. Absolutely. But it looks really nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll throw those up. I always appreciate the follow-up. So uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely appreciate the follow-up. Beautiful bike. We'll get that on the uh, on the Instagram as well. Uh, we've got a couple more we'll throw in tonight. We got one from Nate Chimenko. Chimenko? I, I screwed that up. Sorry, Nate. Uh, Nate writes, uh, Hello, you're obviously in desperate need of content, so I've attached an audio file. As promised late last winter, huh. our time-traveling listener might remember this, I have just produced the first Nordic Corner. Uh, okay. In keeping with the slow ride spirit, this news I am sharing is com- incompletely researched and largely based in conjecture and an interview of Claybo that I listened to. I've attempted okay. to convert it into cycling terms for you listeners. Uh, so he... Interesting. A little audio file, the first Nordic Corner. I will throw this... Uh, uh, throw it up now on the end of the podcast so we can hear it. Um, we're talking skiing. Right? Talking skin. I don't think he's talking This isn't just like Vikings or something. <laughs> yeah. Skiing. Okay. I, I, I don't remember what episode, but yeah, late last year, after the skiing season had ended, uh, Nate promised he could give us some much some Nordic corner content. Nordic All right. Corner. We don't always do this, but I think we should throw it up maybe after the credits roll on this episode yes. and just, just see what Nate's bringing to the table. And Give it a go. I don't follow skiing at all. Little guy, do you? I follow my kid in skiing because I am a volunteer sweeper. For okay. The, uh, uh, so that doesn't sound like the same thing. Yeah, it's not the same thing, I don't think. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully some of our listeners do. And I'm hoping somebody can clue us in. Send us an email if you hear this Nordic Corner after the credits roll. And let us know uh, how Nate did. Uh, if we should uh, bring him on for a round two, or if uh, if this should be a one and done. Pressure's on. Uh, I want to. I want to know what uh, what people think. I haven't heard it. Yeah. I won't know. I won't know until you guys do. Uh, what's on this audio file? And uh, I'm hoping to be blown away with some cycling related skiing information somehow. Good cross training. I don't know anything about it on a technical level other than it's fun and it keeps me warmer than trying to ride a road bike in winter outside. Hence the multitude of pain cave discussions we've had on this podcast. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Jeff Aldrich writes us from way on the other side of the world. Hang out with Val Verde? Oh, I'm I'm interested. I know. It says, if Tim isn't already a member of the team fan club, even just a chance at winning this will definitely seal the deal. Be part of the Movie Star team during the preseason training camp. And there's uh, a link here. Go, You can go over to the Movie Star website. And it says, be part of their team during the training camp. 
uh whoa you can enter to win and go to their training camp well i'll just check this out let me click on join and they're trying to get 49 euros from me 49 euros yep what are the chances uh let's see let's look down for the terms and conditions do i have to purchase no purchase required to enter now it looks like i'm gonna have to do this it's Friday, December fifteenth to yeah, the sixteenth. Yeah. One night in the same hotel as a team. Oh, Tim! Tim should be all over this. Should be all over it. It's a pretty good deal for Tim to go for. And also, you can get official club merchandise, coaching and nutrition support. They lend you a bike. Uh, oh man! Yeah, Talks with team members to help you uh, with your performance. Meals included. Visit the truck and the team bus. Okay. For 49 euros, little guy, mm-hmm. should we sign Tim up? It'd be kind of nice. To <laughs> what is 49 euros? I mean, it's, how's what's the, yeah, what's the conversion? Uh, 49 euros to yeah. dollars. That's well, not bad. It's not bad. Oh, no. Okay. I was worried it was going to be like double or something. But it's yeah. only, as we record, it's $52 and some change, so. What yeah. What do you think Tim would do if he won? He might have another stroke, though. <laughs> Not a joy, but he might have another stroke. Oh, no. I don't want to kill him. I mean, sometimes I do, but not actually. Yeah. I would just... See, I'd kind of feel bad because I feel like Peak Tim should have won this competition. You know, Peak Tim should have gotten to ride with Valverde. We're not getting like a... We're not getting an apples-to-apples comparison here. Uh-huh. You know? Because... Because Tim's in his 40s and Valverde's in always oh, 40s too, but you know what I mean. Like it's just not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely different somehow. Oh, he, he would. Love <laughs> yeah, I think you would love it. I think I think uh, we might have to look into this. Uh, I appreciate you bringing this to our attention, Jeff. I did not. Uh, I did not see this was an option. I am not. You might be shocked to find out. All of our listenership. I'm not a member of the Movie Star Team fan club. I'm also not a member. Fortunately, I didn't know Tim, I could be. Tim might be this route. He might be already. That's he true. might we be. See if he's already signed up. Yeah. I don't want to buy him. Then he'll get he'll get uh, accused of like ballot stuffing, and then he'll be mad that we got him kicked out of the competition. Yeah. Uh, That's true. We this should is a check dilemma. Tim's probably a member, and Tim usually knows a guy, so Tim might already be working his own angle on this. Yeah, because you can pretty much. I mean, it's like a it's a lock that it, whatever you bring up in the world, Tim's like, yeah, yeah, I know a guy that does that and works there and works adjacent to that and works across the street. And I met mm-hmm. a guy at the bar down the street. Yeah, yeah, I know somebody. Yeah, he'll, he'll he's strangely got his uh, ear to the ground everywhere. I, yeah, we'll brainstorm a little. Uh, okay. Jeff goes on. P.S. Oh. I'm happy to report that over the past few weeks, I have had numerous compliments on the PDM van from fellow racers at the uh, Road Race Series here in Dunedin. How could you <laughs> not? That beautiful van. Oh. It, it, it's an excellent conversation starter. One guy I see at the races all the time came up to me uh, to talk to me about the van because PDM was his favorite team of all time. 
And I always tell him the origin story of the design. So I'm hoping this results <laughs> in an ever-growing Kiwi corner. Thanks, Fantastic. Jeff. I appreciate that. That's great. Uh, I uh, got a beautiful um, uh, T-shirt in the mail from Jeff. Uh, I was rocking it yesterday. Uh, really, uh, really happy to represent the shop. Hopefully one day there'll be a shirt with the van on it as well. I'm just, you know, giving hints here, but, uh, you know, I appreciate I mean, it nonetheless. Happy to represent you out here, Jeff. Glad to hear the van is putting smiles on faces uh, yeah. down in the Kiwi corner. Um, How could it not? I mean, even if you don't know what PDM is. It's such a funny van. It's incredible. It's such a funny van, yeah. it's got. A, I'm sure it's bringing smiles and then, yeah, as a cyclist. <laughs> All that. And what did it cost you? One golden retriever? No big deal. Uh, Kevin Dolan uh, sent us an email. He said, this is some interesting, uh, an interesting program out of the Netherlands called Start BYCS, which I don't know exactly what that stands for, but I checked out their website. It's bycs.org. And it's, it's, it's basically a program to help folks get into cycling but specifically folks like it's aimed at folks who like maybe family members hadn't cycled or like underrepresented communities and um while it's cool it's just another example of how uh the u.s stinks sometimes and how it like just a culture that is based has so much cycling in it um helps works at keeping itself being a cycling culture and like the benefits of it being a cycling culture not just a yeah. Our culture, because in America, they would definitely be a similar organization teaching kids how to drive cars when they're four. So, <laughs> uh, but check it out, bycs.org. It does look really cool a little bit. I looked around the website earlier. Uh, I don't know. Kind of yeah. makes me bum. But not that those things can't happen here, and not that I shouldn't probably be more active in those things happening here. I should. And they can, and things yeah. are getting a little better here in the old U.S. of A. But uh, we got ways true. to go to catch up. It, it would be cool to have a, a bike advocacy um, site in the U.S. or an organization that's just um, first and foremost promoting like all these kids on this homepage are like on kick bikes, on Strider bikes, on like. Don't, they don't even have pedals yet kind of things like these are very small very small children getting used to bikes getting used to using them as transportation to get around and out on the streets it's pretty cool you don't always have to be just be in a park like uh yeah having a having a a city and a culture that is made for that to make that easy is uh just a a dream scenario, little guy. A dream scenario. Maybe one day we will get there. Yeah, yeah. It's a little. I mean, obviously, I went into it last la, lot last week. Uh, cycling around with a kid in any capacity can be scary. Cycling can be scary, but um, yeah, it's a weird world. Uh, we do have one late breaking email just landed in really? the inbox as I refreshed it. I thought we wow. were in our last email for the night, but no. Jesse Rince, the legend, writes, and I'm reading this. He, he's expecting Tim's going to be reading this, so he writes, little guy sighting. Yeah, of course, you saw me. I saw you. He says, great to see the little guy. Hey, that's me. Out at the Minnesota State Champs. Hadn't seen him pin on a number since last year's race. It's true, Jesse. I hadn't. That's uh, There's a reason times. for that, yeah. We did. 
mostly about two wheelers, tire pressure, and sealant. Yep. Uh-huh. Then, and the reason we did it is because Jesse was hanging out in the pits. So he's oh. come into the pits four times. Four times. So <laughs> you lie. Yeah. Um, he said, in true Minnesota form, he passed up the cased meat hand up, which is very true, and went for Minnesota's favorite candy hand up instead world famous Pearson's nut roll. And it's true. I did take uh, uh, like a half of a nut roll hand up from Jesse Midrace. I forgot to mention that earlier. I hope I don't get DQ'd, but it was delicious. Thanks, Jesse. <laughs> and thanks for the support as I came into the pit uh, many times. <laughs> see you hanging out in the pit. <laughs> Incredible. You know, maybe uh, I just wanted to hang out more, Jesse. You know, I hadn't seen you in a while, and uh, I knew uh, I was only going to see you briefly unless I came into the pit and spent a little quality time. Uh huh. Reminding you of how my equipment has always been. <laughs> Sub- subject to uh, problems and quality standards. Yeah, somehow, except for that 2018 race-winning Schwamigan bike, somehow didn't have any problems and won that race, little guy. It was very strange. Yeah, didn't have well, that, any front flats that day. Didn't have any front flats. Didn't get any outside assistance from yours truly to help you <laughs> nurse it across the line. I could have left you in the forest could've for dead. Me. Still be out Instead, there. Oh, thank you for the thank you for the many tubes. You, you claim victory, although you were disqualified. Victory. Yeah, if you if you're new to the podcast, search back uh, fall September of 2018 mm-hmm. uh, to our pod our again podcast. We all rode Schwamigan together, and the greatest I got a lot of flats. The greatest episode ever made of the Solaride podcast. It's yeah, go back. It's an yeah. audio novel. Yeah. I, I worked really hard on the editing in that one, no, and I really, really think it turned out amazing. <laughs> it did turn out really good. It was amazing. Way better than my race. The podcast uh, is worth it. Uh, is The quality of the podcast is worth it for the, how silly it's, my race was. And how much it's it was completely summer. different than our normal episodes, and uh, it, it's one of those ones. I don't know if you could listen to it on the trainer. You might want to sit down. Yeah, you know, with a nice glass of wine by a fireplace and just sort of take in the story, you know, uh, of of the 2018 Shawamigan race between the podcast members. Uh, Because uh, it takes a lot of twists and turns and maybe just ends on a cliffhanger. You never know. Never know. Well, speaking of ending on cliffhangers, will Tim be back next week? I don't know, but we're going to have to sign (laughs) off. Uh, I think he will. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, follow us at what's our email address? Uh, you can email us at the slow ride podcast at gmail.com, little guy. That's there where most go. of our, uh, our, our pain cave submissions are coming in. Um, and all follow ups on any questions or commentary you have uh, about the podcast, about any of us, about our bikes, about our lives, about whatever. It's the off season, so we, we really appreciate every email we get uh, this time of year. And if you've uh, you've ever wanted a, a near guarantee of getting on the show, it's a good time yeah. to email us at theslowridepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on all the social media sites at the Slow Ride Pod. Uh, we're on pretty much everywhere, pretty much just really active on Instagram lately, but uh, you can find us and communicate with us wherever. Uh, and I think that is most of of what we got. Uh, our intro and outro music, as always, 
by BK1 of Ryan Sayers Entertainment. And we thank him for that. And I think that pretty much wraps up the credits and the necessary things, little guy. I think so. Well, I'll say for Tim, I'm sure Tim would say, this is Tim in Orlando. I will say, this is Matt in Minneapolis. And I will say, this is Spencer in Holyoke, Massachusetts, reminding you to always wave at all your fellow cyclists that you see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. All right, guys, after listening to the first 10 minutes of the last episode last week, we've got to do something about this. I can't handle a whole winter of discussions about what type of car is most likely to hit people and what Halloween costume is the most bike worthy. So we're going to kick it off with Nordic Corner here. The big news in the Nordic ski community is Johannes Husfluck Kleibo, who is the best Nordic skier in the world. He is, of course, from Norway. And the big news is that he has effectively quit the Norwegian national team to do his own thing. Uh, He's got a few reasons for quitting the national team, which I will go through momentarily. But this is basically the same thing as Matthew Vanderpoel just saying he's done with the Dutch national team. This would be like Wout van Aert quitting the Belgian national team and showing up as an unattached rider at Worlds with... minimal team support is what people think may happen or maybe not even being invited because that's going on or racing on some sort of like collective flag like they do in the olympics when you can be a member of like the refugee team or something like that so Clybo, huge news in the cross-country ski community he's like the best skier out there he's won basically everything there is to win except a distance world championship gold medal The reasons that he's quit the Norwegian national team are he claims that they have bad values, which he seems like a perfectly trustworthy person. So it's kind of hard to judge, but they, there are some reports of some misogyny and homophobia in the wax truck, which is like the box that they roll around to all the races where they wax all the skis. Norway's wax team is the best. They've also been causing some uh concern among other skiers because they've taken and left people off of the Norwegian national team kind of like on a whim at a relatively last minute and hard to say whether some of these guys are like Clybo's friends or he thinks their training is good but the big reason that he's upset is because they're really like pretty aggressively pushing training plans on him and for example the Norwegian national team is not super into altitude training but he is And it's been hard for him to be a part of the team and want to do his training the way he wants to do it. Crazy of the national team to make this move. This would be like, again, this would be like the Netherlands telling Vanderpoel, no, you can't train the way that you want to train. We're going to push a training plan on you. You have to come here at this time to this team camp, or we're going to have a problem with the way that you're doing things. So Clybo quit the national team. The rules of the system state that he may not be allowed to race any World Cups. In skiing, the World Cups are 
done in your national team kit rather than on your trade team. Most uh, many skiers are on a trade team, but they're usually small, very, very low budget affairs that are nothing like the Yumbo Visma of the cycling world or something like that. So there are there's some lack of uh, clarity around whether he will be able to race World Cups at all unless he participates as part of the Norwegian national team, which would be devastating for the sport if he was not allowed to participate and another indication of Norway's like total dominance of the entire program and situation. So I will update you all when we have updates on this situation, but the season starts in a few weeks. Ski swaps are happening all over the place. I got my flights booked to come visit Little Guy this February for the World Cup in Minnesota. So people are pretty excited out there. There are real sports happening if you want to talk about things other than what Halloween costume you would wear two weeks ago. So if you need more content, hit me up anytime. I'm happy to provide more of this. There's an elegance to bike racing. For all its technology and engineering, it's a simple question of physics. How do you move a body through space as quickly and efficiently as possible? When the rider and the machine work as one, it's almost as if the solid world has melted away and all that remains is the spirit, the pure, raw, and unfiltered soul of sport. Life is measured in many units, miles, kilometers, kilos, and pounds, but we measure it one corner at a time. We've entered the golden age of crit racing, the most exciting spectator event in sport, where all of human drama plays out before us on our city streets. On this show, we bring you the news of the day and take you inside the personalities of the teams and riders and right up to the gates of the premier events in the world. Welcome to Criterium Nation. <laughs> 